This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Explorinate Podcast. Welcome to the Explorinate Podcast. I am your host, Rob, and joining me tonight is Mr. Ben. Hello, Ben. Hello, Mr. Rob. How are you? I'm great, sir. How are you? Yeah, things are good. I'm not bad, considering it's 2.30 a.m. <laughs> man, you guys are dedicated. I, I really appreciate it, because your your fellow British man there is not so happy about it, are you, Drexy? No, you woke me up an hour early, because apparently you guys can't change daylight savings at the same time as the rest of the world, because you got to feel special about yourself sometimes. <laughs> we are sort of the center of the universe, I'm just saying. I mean, I don't personally feel that way. Okay. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, I don't know why they do that. I don't even know why there would be a change. I guess it's because, no, I actually have no idea. I'm not going to try. Well, I'd rather one place just took control and had one time. Wouldn't that be a lot easier than this messing about? (laughs) I really don't understand daylight savings times at all because like it really just doesn't do much. I mean, yeah, there's like some extra time in the evening when you daylight savings time, but I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I just I wish they'd just leave it alone. Wasn't it for like the farmers back in the day? Yeah. Everyone so works on farms. Farms nowadays. And what about lights? We have all we all have lights now. Anyways, there's a guy named Sean. He's on the show too. Hi, Sean. Hey, man. Yeah, well, I mean, over here, just to make it extra confusing, we've got half of us in daylight savings and half of us not. So, you know, there's that. God, yeah. It's so weird. That's such a weird thing. I don't, I don't like it. So... Anyway, let's talk about some games and talk about anything other than time. So what we're going to do is actually change the podcast format, which means that each month we're going to choose a game that we kind of focus on. And we get together after we've chosen whatever game it is, and we've played it for about a month. And we'll come together on a podcast and talk about our feelings and thoughts and critical stuff on it. And this month, we chose a game that was kind of not really on my radar at all until the developer emailed us. And I, I, I looked at it and I said, hey, that actually looks pretty cool. And we all got a copy of the game and we're going to talk about it. It's called Against the Storm. It's a roguelite city builder, which is weird because I don't think anyone's ever tried like a roguelite city builder in this case, like where there's meta progression. And yeah, we're going to talk about it at the back half. And so we're going to do the news in the first bit, just like we've always done. And with the second episode, that'd be like the first episode of the month, right? Usually. And then the other episode, we're going to choose like a gameplay mechanic or something Forex or strategy or tactics related. And we're going to talk about that like we normally do. So one episode is going to be a game. The next episode is going to be a game mechanic or something to that effect. So yeah, if you have any interest in Against the Storm, we're going to talk about it in the second half. But we do have a lot of news to catch up on. 
because we didn't really get to a second episode last month. So let's talk about the news. Well, let's start with Old World, which actually just won some awards recently. There was the NYX Game Awards, which I've never really heard of, but they won the best PC game and the best strategy game there at the NYX Game Awards, which is pretty cool because, you know, Mohawk Games is really kind of chugging along with updates and continuing to polish Old World, including a Christopher 10 soundtrack, which is really, really good. You know, you'd expect the Christopher 10 soundtrack to be great because he's the only person who's ever won an award for a video game. And it happened to be the Civilization 4 soundtrack. So he's come back. He's actually been working with Mohawk and Soren Johnson for most of their games. He's done, well, I guess there's only two games that they have. But the soundtrack for Offworld Trading Company was done by Christopher 10 as well. And then the one here for Old World. I think is I've just I've actually listened to it on Spotify. It's so good. It's really great. And since the last episode, we now know that it's coming to Steam in the second quarter of 2022. And we also know, based on an official tweet, that an eighth nation will be arriving to Old World soon too. So no hints as to which one that is, but an eighth nation will be coming, and supposedly pretty soon. I'd imagine before the end of the year. So that's exciting. Have you guys really had an opportunity to play Old World? I've not played it for a while. I think it's a really good game, though. I'm kind of interested to know how an Eighth Nation is going to affect the affect the game because it's one of those games that really feels like the identity of each nation is really important to your gameplay. You know, I mean, a, a little bit like Civ as well. Whereas, you know, I guess if you've got something like a lot of Forex games, they might have mechanical differences between the races, but it doesn't really seem to matter a whole lot with the theme. And I think that Old World really relies upon those interactions between the factions and the families in the factions. So, I mean, what do you reckon, Rob? Do you think that's something that's going to switch the game up a bit? Yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to it because I think that, I mean, they do a great job of making each of the nations feel pretty asymmetric and pretty distinct. So I think that the Eighth Nation, whichever it is, is going to, you know, kind of add a new dynamic and I'm, I'm really excited about it. But I do understand that there's... It's, it's much more of an undertaking, in my opinion, than, you know, maybe even like a civilization civ, because there's much more to, you know, making a civilization or a faction in Old World, because you have all those characters and you have all those like character styles and their unit changes and their asymmetry and all that stuff, whereas like civilization just gets a couple of new units and a new district or something. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a bigger undertaking than most Forex games, but I'm excited to see what they do. All right, and next we have Distant Worlds 2, which just pushed out a new dev diary on the economy, which I'll link down below. And you can read about that because it's pretty extensive. It just basically talks about like the various resources, the strategic resources and stuff. And it goes over how you'll best defend it and keep it, you know, well-oiled and and running. So check out the dev diary on that. It's really long. And then the other news we have is actually that Ben was able to join... Slytherin and Matrix Games in a video conference where he got to take a look at the random tech tree that's coming. Can you talk a little bit about that? I know you're going to write up a preview, but what is the, what's the deal? Oh, I was very privileged because Slytherin basically let us sit in on one of their, on one of their game update meetings that they have internally. So it was, it was like an official internal meeting. And, um, 
I got a chance to. It really was mostly just me and Eric, um, and there was some, some of the there was some of the chaps from uh, Slytherin there too. And um, Eric was just talking to me about the way that they are they are incorporating a random tech tree mechanic into distant worlds, and how that's different from the original game, and just some of the things that kind of make it interesting. And there's that might not sound like a big topic to talk about, but actually the way that they've done it's quite clever, and I think that it will. It will really, it will really enhance the things that I personally like about Distant Worlds, which is the ability to cut to change the settings so that each game is kind of asymmetric. You know, like we were talking about this, weren't we, Rob? Um, you can set how you know many resources are available in the galaxy, and you know, along with changing the the sort of shape and size and the amount of stars that you've got that can really change the uh, dynamic gameplay um with regards to the you know know, like the challenges that you're going to face right and i think this new research system is really going to be it's going to be conducive to that kind of play and not necessarily just to do with the economy you know because it essentially like temporarily locks off certain technologies from you um you know because things are coming in a random fashion very much like in master of orion so I think it's going to be really cool. I think uh, I think this is going to be the default setting for the game for most people, I'd expect. But yeah, there's going to be... A, I'm going to write an article about that over the next few days and get it up on the site so people will be able to see what's going on there. And Slytherin have got some screenshots for me to show too. That's great, yeah. And it's really cool of them to kind of let us in on that because I think... I mean, I know that we were the only press that was able to get in on it. So, you know, kind of a cool exclusive for us. And so I also wanted to report too that if you don't know... It was officially pushed back to quarter one of 2022, so we won't see it until early next year, which at this point I think was kind of expected because we hadn't seen much. And, you know, there, there hasn't been many, if any, really, gameplay videos since that one kind of debacle that everybody was kind of, you know, uh, upset by because they had, you know, produced a, a pretty low resolution video for for the like the preview event that they had a while ago. So... Yeah, we haven't seen much of it, so it doesn't doesn't really surprise anyone here to know that it's going out to quarter one 2022 now. So yeah, we'll have to wait a little bit longer, but that's okay. We'll have some more stuff to share, hopefully. The other thing I'd like to say is it was really good to have an opportunity just to talk directly with Eric, because uh, we've not spoken together since the interview that we did for Explorminate, and he's always a pleasure to talk to, but it gave me the opportunity to give him some direct feedback about the game as well. Um, I can't really talk about that. Like I'm, we're, Rob and I are both under NDA for the, uh, for the beta, but just suffice to say that we were able to give him some kind of direct feedback about what's been going on with the game, and he's always interested in listening to that. I think he's just such, a, he's such an attentive person, and I think he really cares about the game and listens to everything that people say about it so i think that you i've got real i've got great hopes for distant worlds i think you know it's one of the it's it's my most anticipated game uh, for for 2022 so it was my most anticipated game for this year (laughs) but you know it's been put back and that happens so you know anyway right yeah so in other news we have galactic civilizations 4 and 0.60 came out it was originally going to be build as the beta but the last the very last moment they decided to consider it still the alpha i'm not sure why i don't know if there was like a gameplay mechanic that didn't make its way in and you know there's a lot there's a huge update for galactic civilizations 4 there's new civilizations like the corporate sector and the zaloxi where like they you know of course they're asymmetric from all the other races the corporate sector get credits from every survey they get unique ships they have unique building called the star casino and the Zaloxi are criminals, and they get special improvements on colonies with high crime. And there's actually another another 
civilization that was added to, and I don't remember who they were. But there's so much more to this update. It's huge. I'll, again, I'll have the patch notes there and the, the notes below. But you have new new battle graphics, new galactic achievements, a whole bunch of bug fixes, and a bunch of new content. So it's it's a huge update for Galactic Civilization 4. Probably the biggest one, I think, because it's the first time they've done uh, a lot of the civilizations and they've got a new cutscenes and stuff like that too so there's a lot of content that came in with this one so i imagine the next one will be considered beta but or beta as you guys say and you know we'll see but it's coming along very well and hopefully i'll do another galactic civilizations 4 gameplay video soon and next up we have humankind which came out with its first big update called fabius maximus and it originally was supposed to be out in october but it ended up coming out here just about a week ago actually just a few days ago and with it, they've added a color picker to the game. So now people that were complaining about the, the small variety of colors that you could choose for you and your opponents, they have added a color picker that's it's got a wide assortment of colors. And with that, they've also added options to the world generation list to allow players to choose how many strategic and luxury resources to spawn in their world, which is a big thing too, because the late game resources were always an issue. So a lot of times, especially for me when I was playing I was always having a hard time getting the late game resources to build some of the late game units, which, you know, kind of sucks because, you know, if you're not able to do like build the late game stuff, which is the kind of the excitement of getting to the late game, it, it kind of spoils a lot of the fun. So they've made it so you can do that and fix that. So you also can now have random AI personas, which is great too. So you can make things random. They've added illustration variations for common units. They've added systems of a system of monthly challenges. They now have finally mod support and they've done a lot of rebalancing and a lot more. There's a lot more to this. They've also done a Dia de los Muertos, whatever, Day of the Dead. They've done a Day of the Dead special event right now too. So they've got a lot going on with Humankind. It's been a great thing for Humankind because unfortunately it dropped to like 68% or 67% positive Steam rating. So it's in need of some rebalancing and some love. And that's by far and away the lowest rated Amplitude Studios game, so they need to work on it. Why do you think? Why do you think that is? I mean, mostly I think it's because of the balance issues. There's just some ways, like some people feel, and I, I agree that like if there's an optimal way to play the game, you know, and there's a couple cultures that are seriously overpowered, and that bothers people. I mean, you know, like the people will get on and complain that there's overpowered cultures, and then people will come on and like you know argue that well, just don't pick them. But, you know, I agree that if, if there's a culture there that you want to play, you should be able to play as them. And, you know, it shouldn't feel like you're, you know, kind of cheating. And, and some of them, like the Khmer, are, are, were cheating. Like, I mean, they basically were. I think they've actually rebalanced it with this patch. But, I mean, like you would gain an insane amount of industry from population. And by the time you got to the Khmer, you'd already have a bunch of population. So, like, you would drop their... I forgot what they're called, but they're like, they're, oh man, what is it called? Anyways, they're quarters. They're like unique quarters and you would gain like a hundred something industry, which was like game breaking. It was like, you know, doubling your industry in some cases. And you would be able to build like three or four of those depending on how big your cities were. So yeah, you would be able to just like exponentially increase your industry just from picking the Khmer, uh, Khmer, I don't know how you pronounce that, but anyways, yeah, it was Khmer. Yeah. See, thank you. And yeah, there, there's, there's other ones too. And like the AI were always choosing certain cultures and some cultures were almost never chosen. They've, you know, they've balanced that too. And 
I mean, there's some legitimate concerns on the Steam reviews. There's also some people that just don't like the game design at all, and that's fine. And then there's just some people that don't like Amplitude Studios games, and that's fine too. So I, I know that Drexy's one of those people. Mm-hmm. I'll, I was I was trying not to say anything, but <laughs> yeah, I just think it's uh, another game that's just pretty, but not very low substance. I'll be honest with you, I've not even tried it yet. I've, I, uh, I'm going to wait for a bit and just I want if I'm going to play it, I want my first impression of the game to be really good because I don't. I'm a bit like Drexy. I don't have the like I don't have the highest opinion of amplitude games in all honesty. However, I can tell that they are. They're good. They're just probably just not for me. So I'm hoping that when I do come around to play Humankind, it's going to be it's going to be in a state, you know, like where they put their best foot forward, so to speak. Yeah, I bounced off it a bit when I started playing before we covered it a while ago, and I've just left it. And I figure I'll wait for a couple of big patches, and then I might come back and have another go. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it for a bit and see how they they work their magic. I mean, I'm actually really disappointed that mining support took this long. And even more so because like way back when, as like a, a, an accompaniment to their announcement that mod support was going to happen, they had a poll set up for like, which would be the, what would be the first poll or what would be the first mod that Amplitude Studios would actually do as an official mod. And they wanted, they, the winner was the Endless Universe. So there was supposed to be an Endless Universe mod and that still hasn't even come out yet. So, I mean, we're like two months I don't shoot. I forgot when this game came out. I feel like it was in August. So we're a few months out of release, and this official mod that was supposed to come out at release isn't even out yet. And they just now got mod support. So I'm just, I'm, I just feel like Amplitude Studios was in over their head a bit. I also think this game together thing is a big failure, and it doesn't work, and they just need to get rid of it. It's only a failure because they never really fall through with it. <laughs> you know, like I'm gonna complain here for a second, but I won the the contest for or like the faction creation contest for endless space 2 and as part of that i was supposed to get flown to paris like that was like part of the winning like the first the three winners were going to get flown to paris and i never got flown to paris so like if you're going to have this contest where you're like you know it was cool to have my my faction creation in the game i'm not going to lie and i'm not going to like look a gift horse in the mouth but i do think it's kind of shitty that like you know, as part of the contest winning spoils, I was supposed to get flown out to Paris and it just never happened or to wherever they are. Like, I think they're outside of Paris. But, you know, just to your point, and I'm going to move on, but like they, they almost never stick to what they're talking about anyways. A lot of things that they get votes on, they'll eventually do, but timelines almost never exist and some things get thrown out altogether. All so I'm with you. It, it probably is just time to move on from the games together thing. And next up, we have the Stellaris Aquatic Species Pack, which it was a bit of a, like, just, it came out of nowhere, really. I didn't expect anything like that. It was, the announcement was made just a few weeks after the big Lem patch, which, you know, a lot of people said did a lot of great things for the game. I, I personally enjoyed playing it again for another 15, 20 hours. And with the Aquatic Species Pack, of course, you're going to have new species portraits, which, you know, one there's one that... <laughs> It's kind of going around. It's making its way around the like Solaris community. They're, they're calling it the Dolph, and it's clearly like a dolphin that's made into like a humanoid, and it's got this like super thick neck and just weird look. But he looks like he's like the Arnold Schwarzenegger of dolphins, and I love it. I mean, he's ugly. He's ugly as shit, but he he's he's got a personality. So, but they've shown a bunch of other species portraits. They show they have a dev diary of all the species portraits. And they also talk about the like various perks and civics that they're going to have with it. 
uh, including the Angler Civics, which is going to allow you to harvest the bounty of the ocean by replacing your farmer jobs with anglers and pearl divers on your agricultural districts. So uh, that's going to be available to any empire that has a corporate authority as well. And then you have the hydrocentric ascension perk, which you'll be able to mine ice and bring it back to your ocean worlds to make them larger. The idea originally uh, bounced between being a civic or an origin, but they realized that they'd make it more, it would make more sense as an ascension perk. And then finally, for this little spot, we have Here Be Dragons, the origin that is going to let you have an Ether Drake there in your starting system. So it's going to kind of act as a guardian. So yeah, good stuff. There's a lot of stuff coming that we aren't going to go into. So if you haven't already, check it out. But there's there's another species pack, which thankfully they're taking this one a little bit more seriously. I think the first couple of species pack they put out, they were kind of just throwing out like portraits and like one or two civics or something. But now they're actually taking the time to make them each feel a bit more asymmetric, which I appreciate. And Ben, you want to talk to us about the Caster Magic update? I can do, yes. I don't, I'll be honest with you. There are so many changes in this that I... We just wouldn't have time to read them all out. As always, whenever um, Caster of Magic has a patch dropped, can, like there's so much stuff tweaked. It's there's a load of bug fixes, and bal- it's basically bug fixes and balancing, as far as I can tell. I don't think there's any new content in it, as far as I can see. Yeah, it's literally it is just a bug fix and balancing thing, um, as usual with Caster of Magic. So the game, you know, the core game itself, is pretty it's pretty fixed at the moment. So yeah, if you play Caster of Magic and you like Caster of Magic for Windows, which I do, because it just makes the game loads easier to play. You don't have to mess around with DOSBox, you know, for people who really don't like using DOSBox and the old, the really old kind of UI foibles that the, the original game has, then Caster of Magic for Windows is a good bet. And it's Master of Magic, right? It's always going to be a great game. So Yeah, great stuff. So we also have an Against the Storm update, but we're going to talk about that in the back half because that's going to be related to our lengthy discussion on the game. And then we also have news of Imperium's Greek Wars, the Age of Alexander DLC. It released... A few weeks back, if you're an Imperiums guy, definitely check it out. I know that we've talked about it quite a bit recently, and we're going to probably jump back into it at some point. And then finally, we have uh, news of Warhammer 40k Gladius. It basically, like Slytherin kind of like stealth announced that the Adeptus Mechanicus were going to be added to Warhammer 40k Gladius. And I think they said by the end of the year, right, Sean? Yeah, they said, I believe it was in the next few weeks, so we should see it, I reckon, be either this month or early next month. But yeah, they they really did stealth drop it. They were talking about something else, and they're like, oh, by the way, look at this, bam, like Adeptus Mechanicus thing for Gladius. I was like, oh, sick. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I love that they continue to add stuff to Warhammer 40k Gladius, and I, I want to check back in with that Too Many Voices mod, because I know that they were continuing to work on it, and the last time I checked, they were almost all the way done with all the races that have been released, so... I wonder if they're going to be able to catch up with the Adeptus Mechanicus, but one of the best mods I've ever played in my life. So anyways, that's the news. That was a lot of it. Sorry, we had to catch up on some of it. And, you know, some of it was uh, left out because there's still so much more that we, we didn't cover. But we have a lot to talk about in the back half. So let's get to it. before here in the back half we're going to talk about against the storm which is going to be this month's game of the month 
and we've all four been playing it. We all have some, you know, some thoughts on it, and we're going to talk about it. But first of all, I want to kind of lay out the groundwork for this game. I basically, like, kind of give you an idea of what the gameplay is like. We, I do have a video up on our YouTube if you want to check that out, but it is a game wherein you are, like, it's you and your city against this like ever-present storm, which of course is why it's called Against the Storm. And you start off with very few things that you can build. And you have three different types of people, which are lizardmen, beavermen, or beavers, and humans. And each of them can are able to do things like, you know, I don't know, chop down trees or gather things. And, you know, better than the other. So, like, of course, the beavers are really good at chopping down trees and the humans are good at gathering and so on and so forth. And you're supposed to take these groups of people and lizardmen and beavers and help them survive through this storm. And, you know, meanwhile, there's like this ticking time bomb, really. This queen that I guess is, you know, only going to be patient with you for so long and as you're playing the game, this time, this this ticking time bomb literally ticks away. And so, like, you're supposed to take these group, this group of people. You're supposed to help them survive. You're supposed to make it so that you can basically establish yourself, like, and and gain a foothold in various different places. And after you gain a foothold, which I've never quite done, have you guys won? I think a couple of you have actually won one, right? I'm a, I'm confused as to what actually constitutes a run because. Um, so basically the way that the game works is it's kind of a city builder game and it's split into you, uh, each game that you play, you, you have this timer and then you beat the game, like you beat that particular map. And then it, you then have this kind of overall strategic map that you then go and plonk your next city down on and you should have earned some bonuses and perks. But I'm, I'm a little bit confused as to what one run means. Does that mean like a run through the whole game with multiple with multiple runs or you know just with finishing it once if you follow me i don't know it's it's a confusing game in that respect i think a run is actually making a successful city in my opinion i mean maybe maybe i mean i know there's more to it i think that you're right there's like an end game to like the the meta of all of it but i think i would consider like a successful run through it would be to make a city that's successful and is established and then you can move on to the next city that would be what i'd consider a run yeah, right. So I've I've got about three or four under my belt, I think. And I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you what I think about the game. Yeah, and I'll kind of just, I'll describe it just like you've done. So it's basically a city builder game, but it's got a food clock. So it's very much like a roguelike in that respect. It has this. Well, I'll just explain what I mean by food clock for someone who doesn't understand uh, or you've not heard that term. It's a timer that is there in these kind of games where there is the possibility for you to kind of just cheese the game by waiting you know so that came from the roguelikes the original roguelikes where your hit points would go up the longer you waited so they found uh, the original rogue designers found that people would you know take damage from a monster and then they'd just wait 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 and then their health would go up and then they'd carry on and in order to make the game harder they gave it a time limit so this this has the same kind of time limit in in the same kind of way because generally speaking if you look at traditional city builder games like SimCity, and um, perhaps more recently things like City Skylines, there are ways to kind of lose, but the game they are mostly kind of sandbox games with you know a loose kind of a loose kind of map that you have to you know a loose kind of set of things that you've got to do in order to kind of complete that particular map, whatever. In this, it's very very competitive, so the the time limit goes down pretty quick, and you have to complete goals. The timer 
also serves the function of releasing missions to you for that specific map. So you might find that you might need to clear a certain amount of what's called clearings. So the map is, you you, you have a clearing that you, if you imagine this as a wood and you have a clearing where you have your starting buildings and you, you know, you're able to kind of like uh, take the lumber from the from the forests around and open up these other clearings and these other clearings gives you kind of like there are there are things in there like whether it's more resources opportunities to get more people this kind of thing so the timer also unlocks these missions that you have to do and it might be like get a certain amount of lumber or collect a certain amount of whatever you've got to forage so the it's a very timer-based game i don't normally like city builder games i find them i don't really I like competitive games and I don't like games that you can't lose. So for me, I like to be challenged. This is actually, I it, it, I like it more than I thought I would because it's actually quite easy to lose in this until you start understanding what's going on. And even once I felt like I'd got used to the mechanics, I still lose. But I'll talk about that like afterwards why. There, there are, this game's got some problems in my opinion, but I, I'm interested to hear what the other guys think of it first. Well, apparently I can't keep beavers happy, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I keep trying and trying to please those beavers, but boy, boy, they just keep leaving me. I don't know what to do, really. I never got past the second map because my beavers, it's just like, we're out of it. Never got past second base. (laughs) With the beavers, yeah. Yeah, speaking of that, I I do want to touch on that, too. There's this mechanic where you have to keep all of your, your different types of people happy, and in the upper left-hand corner of the main like UI, you can look to see what would like what adds to their morale. I think it is, and you know various buildings, various t- different types of resources, and of course like houses and stuff like that will make them happier. Will keep their morale up, and if they start to their morale starts to drop enough, they'll start leaving, and that's been a problem with almost every game for me too. And it was kind of funny, or even really just disgusting to watch. But in my YouTube video all my people started leaving and it was because I hadn't built any shelters at all. And so, you know, they, they got pissed off and then eventually we find dead people like dead human beings in one of those clearings. And because the dead humans are like out there and you know, the human, the other humans, the alive humans are seeing these dead humans. They're all, you know, leaving because seeing the dead humans drops their morale. And it's another layer to the thought and consideration of how you play your game. And it's, it may not be my favorite. The morale part might not be my favorite part of it. But yeah, it's kind of funny that, you know, I think in every game, beavers have been the first to leave me too. The UI didn't really, I couldn't really understand why they were leaving though. I, I don't know. Maybe I missed it. But for me, it, the game doesn't really explain why. I think, I think you're missing leave. that because there's a there's an arrow next to all of the race list. And um, and then it will it will show you exactly what it is that they're, that, that's affecting their their morale so like uh, like so you'll have a bunch of pictures like clothing or uh, pickled goods or biscuits or whatever it is that they that race likes in order to be happy and then um, at the end there's a summary like a there's a kind of green there's a green and red plus and minus like thing and it tells you what the combined effects of those things so it does actually tell you what what it is that you need my issue with the game is that it doesn't always give the 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 randomly generated content of the game doesn't always give you the things that you need and as rob said as he alluded to and as Drexy's also pointed out, when one of your when they get so unhappy that they start leaving, you've got no workers. So 
it's a death spiral and it's difficult you know that's partly why i like this game i, see, I really see its potential because i think it's 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 difficult you've really got to learn all the mechanics and there's a lot in it it's complicated for this kind of game i've got to say i think it's a this is kind of like a hardcore sort of city builder game i guess this is not like banished you know where you can just kind of coast along make your make your nice town watch your people this is the sort of game my girlfriend likes you know you kind of build your little medieval town and watch them all kind of do stuff and you know it's kind of chilled out and every now and again the winter comes and you you know you might lose a few people this is different this is brutal (laughs) what do you reckon sean yeah, I know there's been people that have made comparisons to Banished, but the, when I thought about it when I was playing it, I was finding myself making comparisons to games like Frostpunk and Anno, that kind of thing. Like Frostpunk, you know, the environment is trying to kill you and you need to survive kind of thing. Like, I mean, this isn't constantly trying to do it, but every time you get to like a storm season, it it's not too bad to start with, but it builds up in intensity and it will mess you up if you aren't prepared for it like a few seasons down the track. And then the Anno thing um like we were talking about how you need to provide certain things for your people it was like you know you need to give them housing you need to give them certain food types depending on their class you need to do that kind of thing like they don't evolve the way that they do in anno but you do need to give them that stuff or they'll get pissed off and they'll leave so uh, that that's where i was drawing the comparisons to there it's very much like frostpunk in that respect it's much less bleak than frostpunk um just quickly though uh, I think one of the things that this game does right is the the presentation is beautiful. I think the the graphics are good. The music is really really nice. It's not intrusive, but it really gives you that. It's, it's just got like a kind of explorative sort of spooky kind of atmosphere, but it's really really lovely music. The uh, sound effects are all good. It's it's really really well presented, and it's got a whole bunch of mechanics that are pretty tightly woven. So I think this has got the potential to be a really good game. It's really not my kind of game, so uh, I, you know I'll make that kind of clear. But I think it's got the. I think if they polish it up a little bit and make certain things a little bit more clear, I think the game is going to be a success. Um, just following on from what you guys were saying about how you struggled with certain things. That, were, that you couldn't really do anything about. I ran into a couple of those things as well, and I think they're already being patched, to be fair, but I haven't tried them since they were patched. Um, there'll be certain things, like there was a drainage mole event that pops up when you ex- you can expand out into these. There's areas marked on the map that are like danger zones, and if you expand out, you'll hit it, and there'll be some kind of a, a negative event that puts a negative mod- modifier on your population, and it'll give you a sort of quest where you have to send units out and a certain type of resource that you need to resolve that quest. And I ran into one where with this drainage mole event that where it just stomps on the ground and it wrecks everything within like a certain amount of tiles. And that amount would keep expanding every time it stomped. And I needed a resource through that herbalist building that I couldn't actually build because I didn't have the tech yet. So basically it just stomped and it kept stomping until it wiped me out and I lost. So there's things like that that are frustrating, but um, I've seen other games that have had issues with this before, like the roguelite formula is just, it just needs some tweaking. And I think, yeah, there's a lot of promise here for this game. I mean, isn't this game just really like a nicer version of Dwarf Fortress and Rimworld though? That's kind of what the vibe I was getting from here. No, it's nothing like it, in my opinion. No, not really. (laughs) It's more like, I don't know, like Rimworld and Dwarf Fortress are sandbox games that, uh, that give you some... I think RimWorld is okay. They're two different games. RimWorld is a story line generator, essentially, with some similar mechanics to Dwarf Fortress. Uh, Dwarf Fortress is Dwarf Fortress, and that's just its own thing. This is different. This is more like this is like Frostpunk. I'd say. I think that's the Sean nailed it there. It's the, that's the closest game that I can think of that this is like. It's a it's a a difficult 
it's a difficult uh, city building game with a time limit. Let me explain why, uh, just quickly, why I think this works. Because let's say at the start, you've got to you've got to keep your people happy, and you need to make sure that um, you know you're, you're not going to have your beavers leaving halfway through the game. So at the start, you need to think about like, okay, I'm going to give them houses because it's raining, right? And you've got this storm. Um, also, you need to be clearing the, you need to be cutting your way through the forest into the other clearings. The thing is. That can be a double-edged sword because not only will it open up new opportunities, but it can open up more problems. So it throws interesting choices at you because you've got to be like, right, what do I need? But you get these things called orders at the start of each game, and the orders tell you what you, you know, uh, what you need to, what what the queen is asking you to do in order for you to um, have in order for you to complete it. So not only have you got this red meter, which is your time limit, you've also got. Um, this kind of red blue bar which has these checkpoints on it and every time that you you get one of these orders correct for example you need to make 50 pottery or you know certain amount of wood you'll tick off the box so the red bar is racing against the blue bar and you'll find sometimes that your red bar has gone halfway up before you've even got any orders and the reason being is because it's randomly generated right so you might start off with in your initial clearing with a bunch of stuff that your first order is asking for like you know if you, if if your first order says i want 50 lumber well that's easy all you do is build a load of lumber which is a lumber huts which is the first thing that you get access to and then you've automatically got some of your first orders completed but if it's asking for something that you don't have the technology for you've got to then ch- plot your trajectory through the game so you've got to look around see what you've got okay well i've got stone now from stone i can get stonemason oh damn no i can't get that because i need the, the lumber so you get you get some lumber then you build the stonemason thing and so on so it's complicated and uh, i think that the game can sometimes screw you because you don't have you might you might have a bunch of orders that you just can't complete because the that you just don't have the resources or the technology available to actually harvest them uh, so your only bet then is to to race through the uh, you know into the other clearings and just hope that you can find the resource or that the queen sends you one of the buildings blueprints that you need in order to do it and it all just seems a little bit too random for me and i'm this is coming from a guy who likes random content in games like conquest of elysium is brutal in that respect and i love that that works uh here i feel that it should be a bit tighter than it is i see this is a problem i i had why i bounced off the game is because that first uh tan you do is like you know you go through it's pretty simple they make sure everything's there for you and then suddenly on your second turn you just sort of dumped into this random world where you struggle to find what you need and i don't know i think the game i know it's early access i believe right needs to sort of ease ease you in a bit more if you get what i mean completely because you suddenly go from like a super easy map to suddenly you're thrown out into the world and it's like you're struggling to find stuff so easy. It's like, I don't know, it's just too much of a jump for me, really, for someone who doesn't like that sort of game either. So It's a good point, Lars. For me, I think the problem wasn't so much the randomness of the options that you're given. It was more that they're random options and then mm. the options are sometimes things that you can't get when you're playing. Like I was saying before about the herbalist thing, I failed three runs before I actually unlocked the herbalist because three times I went in there and it gave you an objective, you need a herbalist for this thing. And I didn't have the building. So I just couldn't flat out, couldn't win the run. So I I don't mind having the random things, but they have to be things that you can actually accomplish. Yeah. I think this is the kind of game that people are going to go like, this is going to fail on steam. 
And the reason being is because at the moment, as Drexy said, the jump between the tutorial, which is very, which holds your hand, and then the the first time that you get chance to, you know, to to jump in on your own and like really play with all the mechanics, it's actually a really complicated game. And I like complex games, right? But this is there's so much going on in it that, and and that's great. But it needs to give you a little bit. It needs to be a little bit more of a you know a gentle incline, I think, into that compli- complicated thing. What do you think, Rob? I mean, I'd agree 100%. I think that the morale thing is something that really, and, and to Drexy's point, you know, they, they do give you an idea, like they hint at what's going on, right? So they'll tell you that your, you know, your beavers are leaving or your lizardmen are leaving, but they don't tell you why. Like sometimes they'll say like they just leave or morale's low, so they left, but they don't tell you what it is that, that's causing morale to be low. And I think that would be like, you, you, you can go through that with the UI and the upper left and you can see that, you know, that there's a, there, like you are mentioning, Ben, that there's arrows and stuff that will help you you know see that stuff but i think even just in that little that little feed that you get if they were saying something like lizardmen are leaving because morale is low because you don't have you know you don't have homes for them something to that effect would would have helped me because i wasn't looking for the i wasn't looking at the ui because it doesn't actually go into that in the tutorial at all so but those are things that i think can be fixed you know you're talking about it not doing well on steam it's going to be i would imagine it's doing the whole epic early access like everyone else has been doing recently and it's going to probably be on epic for a little while maybe even a year before it comes to steam and i think that's plenty of time to get this balance right and to maybe add additional tutorials and to add more to the tutorials and to make the ui more clear but with you i'm also i'm also going to say that i think that it has the potential of being a really damn good game i mean i don't really like city builders myself either because i'm with you i think they're a little bit too calm and they kind of you know quickly become less you know less difficult less challenging and I don't, I don't really enjoy that but this one feels challenging maybe too challenging right now but i feel like if they could get to the point where it feels challenging enough but also gives you the amount of tools that you need and balances the 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 you know the that fine line between feeling like you could be losing at any moment but also knowing that you could have the you had the right skills and you have the ability to turn it around if they can find that fine balance, I think that, that against the storm would be a great game, and I'm I'm hoping that they do. So I think um, to, to answer that right, it, uh, just to contra- uh, in contrary to what I said, because the overland map is it it kind of looks like you know something that you should be completing, right? It looks like a forex game in that respect. You've got a bunch of hexes. You place, you know, you start your next run i don't know if that's even the right word but you start the next game basically and you you get certain bonuses from where you put them down it's i think i thought when i started playing it that there was some kind of you know like something you were trying to complete on that overland map and i think it's more that this is just its way of presenting the roguelites meta progression right so it doesn't really matter if you lose a run you don't there doesn't seem to be any penalty if you lose like i know that there's this thing this phase of the moth and all this kind of thing so i'm i'm not really you can tell that i've not played it a huge amount as much as you guys because i'm not really sure about how this side of it works but what i'm getting at is that i think it's fine for it to be a difficult challenge and i kind of like that it doesn't hold your hand it gives you all these you know it gives you all these mechanics to kind of try and work out because that's going to give it a lot more replayability when i said it's going to fail on steam the reason what, what i meant was that People expect these games to be really easy now, and it's not. It's not that hard. I'm, I don't want to be one of those whiny games journalists who just goes, oh, it's too hard. You know, I'm, I'm not 
saying that i like hard games you know i really like hard games i like i like difficult games i'd rather play dark souls than skyrim you know what i mean what i'm saying is that i think that a lot of people this sort of people that this game is probably going to be marketed at are probably not going to appreciate the 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 learning curve on it that's all and particularly if you're the sort of person who has to win every single map you're probably going to find it really annoying um i think if you can look past that and just play with it it's great it's there are a lot of mechanics and it's kind of hard and you know if you can figure out how to keep your beavers then i think you're probably <laughs> going to enjoy it um just going back to what you were saying about the morale bars dropping and, not re- and it's not really explaining why that's happening i think it's not so much that you're building those things to like raise their morale you're building those things to like resist the morale drop every time that storm season hits because like you're pretty right for two of the seasons and that storm one hits and then it gets progressively worse and worse and worse so and then you'll find as each storm season hits that morale drop bar drops faster and faster. And then after a few of them, it'll actually drop fast enough that they'll just leave if you haven't done anything. So I think it's more about mitigating that morale drop than it is increasing any sort of gains or like new limits of it. Oh, I'd agree. I think that's like the entire point of the game is that like you're trying to basically keep your people as happy as you can, despite the fact that everything around them is like awful. <laughs> like so, and that it, it, it goes to the theme of the game, you know, being a roguelite and that, you know, like you are racing against a lot of different things. Like you were talking about with the food timer, it's, you know, there's this timer here that, that you're, you're working against and, you know, on the side where you're trying to, is it deeds? Is that what they're called? Where you're, you know, completing those missions basically. And, you know, as you were saying orders, I think it was, but you know, it, it's, it's about that. You're right. And I think that the whole game is, it really is trying to kind of like portray this this you know bleak against the you know against the environment against nature kind of like you know feel to it and i think that works well and i think that you know with the the morale system you know it is i guess it is a little bleak and that it feels like it really is very hard to keep them happy like you know it wasn't just that you know and again i think it's the beavers that that always leave my games too but it just feels like there's an inevitability to it and I know that that's part of the game. I know that's what roguelikes are about. But the thing that I don't like about it is that it just it feels like it starts to spiral out of control. Like once it starts, like once you hit a point where things aren't working for you anymore, the spiral is quick. And I don't like that. I wish there were more ways to mitigate the spiral. And I think there are probably, but I just don't know them because I think that, you know, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe the 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 kind of person that's going to enjoy this game most is the kind of person that's going to want to like learn these systems, you know, by themselves and figure it out through like 40 different runs. But for me, you know, if you don't catch me in five or six runs, I'm not likely to come back to a game. So I feel like what the game needs to do is, is show you ways to mitigate that feel like you have access. I mean, like, like Sean was saying before, like, you know, with the herbalist hut, you know, we don't have access to that at the beginning of the game. And yet you're given missions from the very first town you have that require the herbalist hut. And that just doesn't feel right. So I feel like if you're going to have this, like, you know, the, the punishing difficulty is fine, but I just, I need the tools, right? In Demon Souls, I can, you know, I have all the tools I need to win. I just, you know, I may not be good enough. And I want this game to make me want to get good and not feel like I have to just get lucky. Yeah, that's it. That's, I think it's, you can forgive a game, right? If you get, Let's say that you need the herbalist hut and you haven't got it. But that that particular problem happened to me like three times in a row. So that's where it becomes kind of frustrating and a little bit unforgivable, you know, because now I, maybe somebody who knows the game better could have said, well, you know, maybe if you opened up your clearings quicker, then you would have found 
you know, this that will allow you, okay, that's fine. I think on the third map, which it was, that's kind of, I don't know, like I say, I like hard games, but I think it was expecting a little bit much from you at that point. The other thing that I think, the main the main critique that I've got, because I, I think some of the things that you're talking about there, Rob, could be mitigated by practice. And I, I haven't got a problem with that. Like, I think if, if the game is hard, but you can practice and get good at it, then that's fine. The issue that I've got with it is the way that the, I forget what they're called now, but it might be the deeds. I think the way that the deeds are thrown at you. So it will, it will say, okay, at the start of the game, you get these three deeds. What do you want? Do you want herbalist hut or forager camp well i don't know because from my opening clearing all i can see is stuff that needs neither of those but you know that if you don't pick the right one there's a fairly good chance that you won't be able to complete the map right unless unless they've got some unless i'm missing something with this game and they've made it so that every map is always completable it seemed to me that if you if you didn't either look out in those first few picks um or find the one that you needed randomly as the queen you know rewards you and sends you more then you could be screwed right from the start and i so what happened was i was actually delaying picking these buildings and that kind of delay it, it delays you from picking the challenges as well because you're like well i don't know what ch- what challenge or what order i can accept because i don't know what what um production building i'm going to need so if i don't know what production building i'm going to need i can't choose the order but that stops the game from progressing so that that was encouraging me to kind of like queue them all up. And by doing that, you're kind of, I don't know, it just, it felt like I was gaming the game a little bit. And I, uh, so again, maybe somebody who's played the game a lot more than me will be able to point out where I'm going wrong there. But that felt like a poor game design choice, in my opinion. Um, specifically referring to the herbalist bit, my issue was that, was that that was an unlockable from the tech tree that I didn't have access to yet. So it wasn't even a matter of unlocking something on a clearing that I could pick. It was further up a tech tree and like I just straight up could not unlock that for like four runs. Um, referring to, uh, there was there's sort of a build order that I figured out when I started playing this. There, I've, I found that there are certain buildings... Not necessarily specialist buildings at the start, but there are certain buildings that like it is really good to pick early to get off the ground. You know, like you want, well, you get your woodcutter camp by default. But now I keep picking the herbalist camp for everything now that I have it, just because I'm worried about getting screwed. Um, and you can build certain buildings that would make bricks or planks, things like that. Like you'll have your bare bones buildings to start you off anyway. But I've found picking sort of that tier two of buildings right at the start would really help kickstart my production so that I could really just sort of roll into the next phase pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm, I'm learning that too, is that there's a build order that is almost, you know, it's, I mean, especially with the herbalist set, once you get the herbalist set, I mean, I feel like that's mandatory because almost everything requires, or like, I don't know if it's just my luck, but I feel like every time I've got a map that's rolled, an herbalist hut's needed. And it, before, like, before I even had it, I, there was just so many things I couldn't actually, you know, gather and stuff. So. I mean, with all that, I, I do genuinely feel like that the the systems in place could make a very fun game. I mean, I'm not someone, again, who's into these kind of games, but with the challenge that's provided and the the sense of meta progression and stuff like that, and the fact that these games don't take that long, like you, you can have this quote unquote run and it will take you 20 to 30 minutes sometimes. And I know that they probably will get a little bit longer as the game progresses because I've seen some of the screenshots of people who've been playing it. And they have these like really pretty wildly large cities and, you know, they've got these supply chains and stuff that are, are pretty intense. But, you know, I think for the most part, it's a game where you can sit down for one session, play an entire town or city or whatnot, and and then finish. And I think that's that's where my attention span kind of stops. And so I think that for me and players like me, 
if it's if a city builder, a game like this could really work. And I'm I'm hoping that with you know, I mean, th- like you said, they're they're already addressing some of the issues. You know, like there's this drainage mole that you know if you're really unlucky, or, or I guess now now it's been fixed. But before you could actually have found this place, the drainage mole in any clearing, and unfortunately that drainage mole like you know it's this huge thing that like completely destroys your town after a certain time frame but now they have already made it so that they only appear in these forbidden glades which the forbidden glades are glades that you know are going to have something bad in it and you're going to have to address it so you can stay away from those until you feel like you're ready and they've also increased the initial attack time for the drainage mole too so you can i think they have to feed you have to feed them mushrooms and if the initial attack time has been increased, then that gives the player more time to feed it mushrooms to appease it and to keep it away. So they're already looking at some of the things that are common complaints and common issues. And I feel like, you know, maybe they will get around to maybe just unlocking the herbalist hut so that you have a chance in hell in the first four or five runs to like do something because, you know, th- that was super important and stuff like that, that, that I think that once they address, will make the game you know, I'm not looking for easy because I don't, I don't need easy. I just need it to be doable. And that's, that's where the problem is now for me. Yeah. It, it probably sounds like I've been mostly complaining a little bit, but I think I'm with you with the positive stuff too. Like I've, I've been drawing comparisons to slipways a little bit as well. Like the games don't take that long to do. There's no real penalty. If you lose, you can just go back and do it again. Um, and I remember that I think they had a similar issue with things that needed tweaking to sort of make the game feel a little more fair in one of their updates. So I've been drawing comparisons there, but it also, it's like it's short. Like it's kind of like, it it almost feels like I'm playing Anno, but it's like way smaller and digestible kind of thing. Like I'm building all the supply chains and the roads that go everywhere and you can upgrade your roads and uh, that kind of stuff like just makes me tick a bit. I get in there and like I'd really just get into the nuts and bolts of building a city. So it's like that, but then it's like a, a digestible experience that I can do in like half an hour and then I can leave it and then I can come back and... I don't have to remember what I was doing or anything like that, you know? Yeah, and a real quick point before I know Ben makes his next point, but th- this is a possible game too, which I really appreciate because there have been times where things are kind of starting to get out of control for me and there are speed controls. So like you can slow things down or you can speed them up. So that the times where things are kind of slow, you can just speed them up real fast, but you can pause it too. So, you know, if, if you are somebody who likes to meticulously make and design your cities, you can hit that that pause button and you know make it as pretty as you want it to, and you won't tick that timer down because the game is paused. Okay, for me, I think it, this game just needs a bit more time, really, and it, they need to uh, do the tutorial bit more. I think, yeah, it's, it's early access, so you can't really expect much more from it. But I think maybe it's something we should revisit again in maybe six months and see how it's doing because I think at the moment I'm going to definitely play it some more um, especially from hearing what you guys said but I mean as a new player and admittedly someone who didn't put in the time you should have uh, (laughs) I did struggle a bit with the game. Okay so I think my main criticism of the game at the moment is an inconsistent difficulty so um, I, I, you know, you do the tutorial game, which is the first run, I guess, and then the second, third, and fourth. I think I I lost because I was still figuring out the game mechanics, right? So I didn't really know. I, I was getting these morale spirals that you know you guys are talking about, and 
But then the fourth map, I got just a really fortuitous set of orders and, you know, like blueprints. So I won the game in about two minutes, three minutes, something like that. Like literally run it in three, three or four minutes. Whereas the other games, I might have played for like 20, 30 minutes each time and then only to realize that I was going to lose. And then I played another one where it was dead hard and I managed to win. And then another one where I won a game within like it's, it just seems really random with the it seems very at the moment way too based on the orders that you get and the you know the the stuff that you have access to and you know it there, there needs to be more consistency in the challenge yeah i'd agree and i think the other problem that i have in you know beyond the balancing and, and stuff like that is that the meta progression doesn't feel terribly exciting like when you look at the meta tree there's nothing on that tree that make i like i really want to like the the encourages me to keep playing encourages me to like keep doing this because i'm not sure like i, I want to win and that's exciting in and of itself but I, I don't know if there's anything on that that tree that really makes me want to be like oh, okay you know what i'm gonna play like 15 runs because i definitely have to get to that point and i think it'd be much cooler i think what it does is add more buildings which kind of dilutes the whole process like the whole because as you were talking before you know like you, you choose buildings you choose the ability to build buildings as you fulfill these orders and you know as you gain more you know access to more and more buildings there's just more and more buildings to choose from and i've noticed that now that i've got some things unlocked and you know i'm i'm given choices between four or five buildings and i just don't know what to do with those so and and none of them feel like super exciting i'm not like you know looking at something that's going to make me make the next run easier really in my in my opinion i just don't see i mean the herbalist hut yes definitely made my runs easier but beyond that i'm not really seeing anything that makes me feel like i could really win the next run or maybe have a, a better chance of winning the next run because i've finally unlocked this you know particular thing and i want more of that i need i think that for me is where i enjoy meta progression stuff like that i think, I think a lot was comparing it to um frostpunk what it lacks with frostpunk is the the, the the strong overall narrative that ties that ties it together you know it doesn't really have that and I think that at least I, that, not that I can see with as far, as far as I've got so far, it doesn't really have that. So I think that it's a little bit sprawling and yeah, uh, you know, it, it just wasn't enough to keep me playing the game, to be honest. Whereas with Frostpunk, you like, you really have this, because the narrative is so strong and it's such an intense kind of game and it's kind of depressing as well, but you know, cause it's kind of intense. It kind of keeps you playing. You want to keep people alive. I didn't really care about any of my characters in this. I've got to be honest. I think the thing with the meta progression with all the extra buildings being unlocked is from what I saw of them is they feel like not really necessary basic buildings, but there are a whole bunch of advanced buildings. And then like you, like you're right how it dilutes the choices that you have, but like there, because you'll find further along in the game, you need certain buildings that specialize in building certain things to be more efficient at building them. And I think it's unlocking more of those. So it, it gives you more options later in the game. But you're right about like, you know, when you pick it at the start, it can dilute the choices that you have available. Um, one thing I wanted to say about the meta thing that I don't think we've covered yet is, so you've got your regular currency, you've got your bread that you need, I think it's bread anyway, that you need to unlock new techs at the start. And then it starts adding different kinds of resources, but it doesn't seem to really tell you what exactly you need to do to get those resources. Like, do you need to play a certain kind of map? Do you need to play a certain difficulty? Do you need to do certain deeds? Like, I, I haven't figured out yet what you need to do to unlock unlock those and that would be handy to know oh, i wonder if some of this stuff could be explained maybe by an advanced tutorial to show things that the basic one didn't i think they're on the strategic map so like when you when you actually get to choose your location 
like you get this hex with um seven squares you know like your central hex and then all the hexes around it and it'll tell you what it kind of looks like you know when you're putting a, a city down in sieve so you'll get like two bread in each thing and sometimes you know there'll be like a, a fertile grounds modifier where you get increased things this kind of stuff but there's a lot to this game it's pretty it's pretty damn complex i'd say um but yeah i don't know maybe it probably just needs a little bit more no, i just needed to spend a little bit more time with it to understand it a little bit better but i think sean that you i think so you're talking about there's these what are they called machinery luxury items and then artifacts and i think those come you get those from certain things in the in each map in each run that you do um but yeah. i can't tell you exactly what it is that you have to do in order to get them it, you were right and a successful run depending on where you choose your city you'll gain, like, you'll know what you gain from a successful run. And some of the spots, some of the hexes will show other stuff other than just the loaves of bread or whatever it is. So that's how you, I imagine that as you unlock more, then more of those, like, you know, rewards from being successful start to show up. So I do want to talk about... Oh, sorry, Rob, I'll just quickly, because I've just got the game open here. So if you're on the, uh, you know, from your smoldering city, which is where you, you know, which is where the queen lives and where it starts... You, zo- you kind of zoom out uh, further up the map and you will actually find these ruined settlements. So these are hexes that are way off in the fog of war. And some of them have got like five machinery on or five artifacts or whatever. So I think the idea is you're probably supposed to work, work towards these hexes. You know, so you, you build out from your central starting location and keep playing the game and, you know, win winning maps and winning maps until you get to these, you've worked your way to these, you know, things that you need for your, for the text progression. So it's just kind of a little bit sprawling. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there you go. And I want to take a moment to really kind of, you know, give credit where credit's due and, and say that the graphics, like Ben said, I really like, I think the graphic style is amazing. It's kind of like a, it's almost, it feels almost like Warcraft-ish, but better. You know, of course, like a 2021 look, it's it's very well done. And the sound design is really good too. You know, the sound effects are really good. There's a nice music to it. You know, the, I, I'd say that, you know, visually and audibly, the game is, you know, it, it's amazing for an indie game. And I, I you know, I, I definitely want to say something about that because I think those two things are very good and they have that going for that. And, you know, I, I want to reiterate that I think that with time and early access, which is where I believe this game belongs, and I'm glad that it's there, this game with the right amount of balance, the right amount of love, the right amount of tweaks could really feel like a lot of fun. So, you know, we're, we're a little bit critical of it because I think we're all playing it. We're all seeing the issues of a game that's just barely been out in early access. But, you know, that we're having fun already is, you know, is saying something and the fact that, you know, it's kind of winning somebody over both of us. I'm not a really big town builder myself. And Ben said it, that he's not really one either. And for both of us to have played it, you know, more than once and for us to have found him enjoy- some enjoyment in it, I think that's that's saying something. I get the impression that these are, um, I, I don't know much about the developer. I didn't really look into it, to be honest. So I'm not doing my job very well. But I think that this is an ex- either an experienced developer or they've just got some really competent game designers because... I think you guys will agree it's complex, isn't it? There's a lot going on. There's layers upon layers of complexity in this game, and I think like the fact that I, you know, I only just realised that you can that you can go out further from your initial, you know, this initial starting part on the meta map, and you know, work your way towards these towards these other resource goals. It, I think that you know, there's a lot going on basically, and I think it requires time to understand. So, um, obviously, more than the sort of five or six, seven hours that I gave it, because <laughs> I think that's that's probably the limit that I played it actually before we did this. 
Yeah, I think I'm with you guys. I'm quite enjoying it as well. Like, obviously, we're we're noticing the shortcomings, and I kind of agree that if it had launched in Steam the way it is now, it probably would have gotten slammed because we've talked about it before. But a lot of people nowadays tend to buy these early access games, treating them as if they're a more or less finished game. And if it's not up to scratch, they'll come out and they'll they'll give it negative reviews and then it gets kind of nuked. So I don't think it would have done well if it had released in Steam now. But now with the where it is now, it's got they've got plenty of time to tweak things and improve like fix the major complaints before it does launch. Yeah, agreed. I think it's in a good place. I mean, for having only been out for about three weeks now, I think it's in a good place to really build off the foundation that it has. And like Ben said, I think that I, I, I have looked into the developers. They don't seem to have much behind, you know, under their belt. And they, they're they somewhere in Europe too, I believe. And, you know, for the amount of things that are going on in this game, I just, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. So we're definitely going to have to come back in six months or so and see how it's progressed and how well the developers have responded to feedback and have figured out whether or not, you know, what needs to be tweaked and how the balance, you know, will sit. And I think that's going to make for a really good follow-up episode because, you know, we're, 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 we're just this close to, to enjoying it. And I, I think that, you know, it would be interesting to see if we end up liking it more in six months or liking it less. So, but I think I speak for all of us when I say that there's there's definitely potential here. And it's a game that if you guys like city builders, if you like roguelike games or roguelite and you like games with meta progression, or if you just like games that are kind of just trying to change things up. I don't think I've ever heard of a city builder that has really tried to do what this one's doing. I think that you should definitely check it out or at least keep an eye on it. And we'll definitely have it on our, our news schedule, our news rotation so that we can keep you you know in the loop with all that. So Let's wrap it up with just sort of going over what we're playing. Ben, what are you playing lately? Uh, I've been kind of busy, so I haven't really been playing that many games. And I, The only 4X game that I've been playing is Imperium's Greek Wars, and I'm trying to get my head around the new mechanics for the Alexander DLC. And um, for the first time, I've actually played it in the historical mode rather than procedurally generating a map. And I've got to say, I'm having a blast. Um, I think it's a shame that I didn't give Imperiums more time when it first released. And I don't even know if we did a review for it, which is criminal. I've got to say, it's criminal. Because the more I play it, the more I think it's one of the better 4X games I've played in ages. Include Like, we we, we kind of... Uh, we, we it, it got passed aside for Shadow Empire. I think that's basically what happened. It kind of... I was playing Shadow Empire. Imperiums was around. And I was like, oh, yeah, I like Degressors, but you know, I didn't really get into it. No, man, this game's way better. And I, I mean, better than Aggressors. And it's... It's up there with my favorite with my favorite 4X games at the moment. So <clears throat> when I've got some time, I'm hoping to do a review because I think that, you know, especially with the Alexander DLC, which has added quite a lot more mechanics into the game and certainly polished things up, I think it's it's time to do a, a proper deep dive into it and just see exactly why it is that I like it. Um, other than that, I've been playing an old CRPG, uh, well, a new CRPG, but it's kind of based on wizardry, but by the, one of the guys who was involved with... Um, the aborted Wizardry 8 sequel, the one that came out before Surtek finally finished one. And the story behind that game is absolutely wild. And again, that's something I'd like to write an article about because it's just absolutely wild. The guy who made it isn't just an absolute joker. Um, but the game itself is called Grimoire, Heralds of the Winged Exemplar. And it's if you like that old-style blobber CRPG game, it's one of the best I've ever played. It's so good. So uh, yeah, that's that's what I've been playing in my in my spare time a little bit. What about you, Sean? Yeah, so I've been playing a few things. Um, haven't really had a lot of time in the last couple of weeks. I've been like stupid busy with life. <laughs> um, 
I've been playing a little bit of Galactic Civilizations 4. It's, I, I've really wanted to have a go at it because I, I think Space 4X is kind of my jam out of any of them. And it's been a while since I've really touched a 4X. Like I tried, I think Humankind was the first one I'd played in a while and I bounced off it pretty hard. And then I was just like, ooh, Space. And then I had to go at Galactic 4. And I'm actually quite enjoying it. Like, Obviously, it's not a complete game yet. There's still stuff that's being added in and fleshed out and all that. But from what I'm playing of it, I'm, I'm still pretty early on. I haven't put a lot of time into it yet, but I'm quite. I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it enough that I want to play more and learn more and get good. Basically, I said we've got him. We converted him. <laughs> hey, I've never not been a forex player. I just don't play much of it. Like I'm not. It's, uh, it's not that I don't like them. I'm just not very good at them either. <laughs> nice. What about you, Drexy? Oh god, here we go. <laughs> I've actually been dragged back to a game I haven't played since 2013. Uh, a friend of mine wanted to play Guild Wars 2, and that's what I've been playing for the past two weeks, pretty much exclusive. Wow, that's an old game. I remember the original. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. crazy. I didn't well, even know it was still around, to be honest. I've actually been playing the original as well. That's still up. <laughs> so yeah, I've been playing those two, Guild Wars 1 and Guild Wars 2. So yeah. Isn't it amazing those games are still going? I mean, it just goes to show how popular those kind of online um, sort of dungeon crawling games are. I mean, people still play Diablo, so. <laughs> uh, talking about, I just got Lost Ark. I haven't had a chance to play. Have you played it yet, Rob? Yeah, I was actually playing it before we started this, and I'm I'm very impressed. I mean, I oh, was cool. I was already kind of excited about it because there there was a, an alpha done earlier this year, and the alpha resulted in overwhelmingly positive reviews on steam and i was like man how does an mmo with like action rpg elements get that popular you know and it's not even out yet and then i look into it and i found out that it's actually been out in russia and i think china maybe or korea for some time now and yeah and then they did an alpha earlier this year in america and people really liked it and yeah, I, I you can buy into the beta for fifteen dollars American, and I did because I'm just that interested in it. And I was I was having a blast for about an hour before we did this, so I'm really excited to get back to it. That's cool. I was actually really pissed off about that initially because I saw um, someone was talking about this on a podcast I listened to, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds really cool." And I looked it up, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, we're not going to release it in Australia because we didn't get the publishing rights." And I was like, "You dicks!" But now apparently they're doing it, so definitely want to check that out. It's funny because I, I missed out on the ARPG thing. I literally, the last one I played was Guild Wars the first time round. So what was that, like 2003 or something? Yeah. <laughs> or 2005. But um, I actually, on, on the on the recommendation of one of our old community members, uh, Vendor Lazarus, I picked up Grim Dawn. <laughs> and I, like, I, I started it and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll put this aside and play it later. So that's basically as far as I've got with that genre. <laughs> I'm so bad for it. But yeah, it, I, I like the idea of them. I just feel like they might just be a huge time sink for me. Well, like 2,000 hours in uh, Path of Exile. <laughs> Crikey. Yeah, I know, right? Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, Grimdon's one of the best games of all time, in my opinion. I think it's better than, you know, Diablo. Well, I mean, the Diablo games are great too, but Grimdon is probably right right behind Diablo for action ARPGs, or action RPGs, in my opinion. So uh, I need to play that then. Yeah, I'll give it a bit of time. Maybe over Christmas when I've got a bit of time to, to really lose, because I know what will happen. I'll, get, I'll start playing it, and then it will beat me, and then I'll play it again. And, you know, it, it, I know what kind of game it is. It's one of those addict games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, there was one more that I forgot about. I've been playing Gloomhaven, like the PC adaptation of the board game. Never played the board game, 
playing the PC version. It's actually pretty awesome. I played it with my brother on medium and he rage quit because it was too hard. So then we put it on easy. Um, I actually looked into it and it's got some mechanics that seem like the XCOM games. You know how they calculate the chance to hit like they're seated to the tile and stuff like that because I was digging into the technical side of it to figure out what's going on. But anyway, yeah, that's not the point. It's it's really fun. It's cool. Um, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So Just before we wrap up, this is something I wanted to ask. and I didn't really intend to do it on the podcast, but I really want to play D&D again. And I, w- I thought it might be amusing if we, as Explominate, we, we, we got a D&D game going. Would that be something <laughs> you guys would be interested in? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. A few years ago, actually, uh, me and a couple of friends did a D&D game over Discord, and it was quite fun. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be up for it. Who's going to be the DM, though? That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's the hard thing. work. Yeah, yeah it is. I've never DM, so... I, would, I, would... I have. I used to do it. I used to, I'm, I'm happy yeah. to do it. It's just and you're time. Doing it. And... You're doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mind DMing if you want. Um, I'm a, I, can, I can tell a story. I don't know whether it would be any good or not. <laughs> that's awesome. Spin a yarn. <laughs> but it. I think um, that would be fun. That would be fun, because we're, you know... Because we get on and we, and, you know, we know each other well enough now that we can have a good laugh. And but I, I think we also are gamers, you know. And I think, I think D and D is a good game, um, or some kind of role play. I wouldn't mind. I think like, I've tried to play it with friends a couple of times, but I found that the campaigns that they were playing were slow as molasses. To be quite honest, like one of them actually would legit take like six hours to play in a day, and I fell asleep on their couch in the middle of it. Um, and then there was another one that I tried to play. It wasn't too bad, but it was still quite slow. And then I remembered I talked to another friend about it, and they said normally they're not that slow. Like if you've got like a decent DM and they know what they're doing, like they can you know be pretty fast paced sort of thing. So yeah, I wouldn't mind giving it a go. Yeah, definitely. It have to. It would have to be something that would fit into all our busy schedules. But I mean, if you can, if you can sort of tailor the game so that you can you know you can play it within ninety minutes or two hours, which is perfectly possible if you if you do it right. There's also like pre pre-made modules for loads of the, you know the old campaigns that you can play and they're, they're plenty fun so well i mean you don't have to do it all in one week i mean well i think we played ours for maybe six months or something like that every sunday for a couple hours we did uh yeah a couple hours every sunday yeah i've not played D since the 90s man so <laughs> i really want to get back into it so oh. rob what games have you been playing man yeah actually i went back to old world because i wanted to hear the christopher 10 soundtrack and it's amazing how far that game's come since its release. And, you know, it's, it's felt very polished and a lot of the UI has changed for the better. And the Christopher 10 soundtrack is amazing. I think that it adds a lot to the game and it feels much more epic as a result. And I will say that the, the big thing too is that the performance was really shitty when it first came out and that has definitely got much better. So I'm really excited about that. And I also di- I dove into Galsa 4 a bit. So I, I'm, I think that game is coming along really well. I'm really excited to see where that one comes because, I mean, quite frankly, it's it's probably the best iteration for me in in terms of how the game's going to play out and the the just the style and the races and the asymmetry. That's all the kind of things that I enjoy in Forex. And you know, Galsa Four seems to be you know really headed in the right direction. And Derek Paxson and Carrie and all them they they really know their games and it shows because I feel like they're making a lot of good choices when it comes to gameplay too. So. Other than that, I haven't really been able to play too much because I've been moving. So I finally moved into a new, our new house, which we will hopefully stay in for at least a decade or more. But yeah, we, we've been moving for the past three weeks or so and, you know, unpacking and getting all that stuff done. And every waking moment was, you know, an opportunity to get more stuff done instead of playing games. So now I have more time now that we've all kind of mostly unpacked and I'll be able to sit down and play some more. And of course, we've been playing against the storm too to get ready for tonight so yeah those and then the lost ark whatever it's called the last or lost last ark last ark yeah 
whatever. Lost, lost. Lost, okay, yeah. Well, anyways, that one's great too. And I'm a big action RPG fan, so I've been playing that and playing some more Diablo 3 on my Switch. So, great stuff. Lots Is that good? good? Diablo 3, I've been thinking about getting that one, actually. On, okay, Diablo I, you know, okay, so this is what I'll say, is that I used to hold Diablo 3 in low regard because Diablo 2 was so great, but now that I've gone back to Diablo 2 with the Resurrected, Diablo 2 Resurrected, I realize that Diablo 3 does have a lot of things that I really appreciate. You know, I know that it's, you know, much more item-oriented, which is cool, it's fine or whatnot, but I do appreciate that, you know, there are a lot of handy shortcuts for a lot of things that, you know, take time in Diablo 2. And and I wish there was a, a, a game that combined the best of Diablo 2 and the best of Grim Dawn, because then I would probably never play another game ever again. But it's called Path of Exile. Just no, it's not. No, it's not. Jesus Christ. No, it's not. No. But yeah. What is your problem with Path of Exile? It's just so awful. It's so awful. I mean, how is it awful? Oh, my God. Yep. That's how we're going to start this. This is going to fight. Ready, fight. But anyways, yeah, there's there's a lot of great action RPGs out there, so I would definitely check them out. Anyways, there's this gone. This gone way too long. We're not an action RPG podcast, so that's it for this week. It's been a long week for me. I'm winding down a 70-hour work week for me, and then, of course, this podcast late at night for me, and I know it's early in the, in the morning for you guys, so we'll wrap it up. Thanks for joining me once again, Ben, Drexley, and Sean. Cheers, Rob. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. And until next time, keep exploring.